scary girl. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is, is Dead Time Stories. It's so Magic. hard to get that synced up. It is. It really is. When we're recording remotely, which we are because it's love in the time of Corona, and we, there's a book called Love in the Time of Cholera, and I keep hoping people get that reference, and I don't know if any of them do, but Love in the Time of Corona, they made a movie of it too. And so we're recording remotely, which means that we are not in the fancy schmancy studio uh, at Mary Angela's not house. at all. That we normally do. I'm in a basement right now. Yeah, Sarah's in a basement. I'm in my bedroom. With I'm standing. This is ridiculous. My cat is in here. I can't work under these conditions. <sighs> but you know what? This is what we go through to give you that three-star quality content. Three-star quality on. content. In these trying times, we know that you're relying on our People have needs content. up in these streets. And you know what else is about to be in Our digits. Us yeah, we're about to have digits. episode 100. Here. That's not today. Episode 99 is today. That's exciting, too. 99? Oh, my I'm like gosh. I'm like on the edge of my seat. And I'm hanging by the moment with you. I'm on the edge with you. It's a Gaga song. Gaga is one of the ways that we first bonded, you guys. Oh, Gaga. 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 Come on. All right, so what were some of these things you were saving for the air? Well, I was going to ask you if I had told you yet that I have a surprise for you for the 100th episode. No. What is it? I'm not telling you now because it's a surprise. (laughs) You're going to find out next week. The viewers slash listeners will find out before that because I'm going to present it to you and then we're probably going to post about it before the episode comes out. Oh, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't be able to contain myself. Um, it's, it's really, really exciting, and I can't wait to share that 100th episode surprise with you. But surprise for you, our listeners. So next week, you can be our viewers, because for the 100th episode, we are going to have our first ever video episode of... I almost yeah, said hello yeah. from the These Magic faces Tavern. for radio. Dead Time Stories. What? I said I almost said hello from the Magic Tavern. That is not the name of our podcast. That is the name of a let's, podcast that we're fans of, but it is not our podcast. Let's steal their podcast. No. No. But that's a podcast that we bonded over. We bond over so many things. All the things, Me and guys. Sarah, we're you guys. Like super glue bonding. <laughs> so, yes, the 100th episode, we have special guests that we haven't confirmed yet, but you will see, you know, you'll see some stuff. Um, and if not, it'll be us. So deal with it. No matter what, you're still going to have your first video episode, which is really exciting. So it'll still download at the regular time. It's just going to be a video Mm -hmm. instead of audio. Well, I believe, and I might be able to do this. I might not be able to do this, but I think I can still release an audio version of the episode. I mean, it'll be both. Right. Yeah. But it'll be both. You're going to miss the keynote presentation if you don't watch the video version. Yeah, honestly, you're going to miss all of the faces we make. And we're specifically going to have periods of silence in the audio where we're just making faces. So you're going to miss all of that. It's going to be like listening to a stand-up comedy special when it's like When they do visual gags. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And you're like, I hear everyone in the audience laughing. And you're listening to it and you know they're doing a visual gag because it's really quiet and then everyone starts laughing. And you're like, oh, I guess I missed that. Do you know what bothers me even more? When they acknowledge it. 
When they're oh, like, yeah, and they're like, those of you listening. Right, and they're like, people listening at home are going to be like, what the fuck just happened? And you're like, fuck you, that is what I'm like, you <laughs> ass. Like, I am like, what the fuck what just, just happened, happened, you jerk? Unless sometimes they're you like, what I just shit. did was. And then I'm like, oh, that would have been funny if I saw it. I get it. That would have been funny. But I didn't see but, it. Oh, well. You jerk. So, yeah. Sarah, what's new with you? That's all I got. Girl, same old, same old. I'm in a basement. Yeah, you're in a basement. That's it. I got a new location. <laughs> Moving on Just down. <laughs> we started in a, well no we started in your bedroom then we moved to a basement then we moved upstairs now you're back yeah. in the basement again now i'm back in the basement honestly you know, it feels say, like home two steps forward and one step back <laughs> i took that one step back hold on eric <laughs> right how do we call it doesn't eric feel the same what's wrong how From do i call eric places. from you at your house uh, yeah you i need eric to come and fix this i love it well, Sarah, Stephanie, for the 99th time, the 99th time, y'all ready, y'all ready to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? We'll get it. We'll line it up. The last week of us being in quarantine, we'll get this like remote lining up our talking See, now, the down thing is, I think we are saying it in sync, but there's a lag in the communication. So maybe yeah, I mean, when I edit it, when you edit it, it sounds like we're together anyway. How about uh, Leslie Jordan blowing up on Instagram right now? Oh, I know. Who called it last week? Me. (laughs) People are loving them some Leslie Jordan right now, and I'm loving them for loving him. I know. He he deserves all the recognition he can get. One day, we're going to get him on this show, and we're going to have him say, y'all ready to talk about, oh my God, is he on that... um, that website where you can pay celebrities to like take a video of them saying whatever you want them to say a cameo could we get him to do a cameo saying y'all ready to talk about some ghosts that's what we need i love it i have to i'm writing it down i have to look into it i love it sarah who's going first you or me um who went first last time did you go first last time i don't know (laughs) I think I did. I think you did, too, because you talked about that guy who killed his whole family when he could have just did, sold John that List. Tiffany chandelier. And then just started a whole new life somewhere else. Like, it was no big deal, because God told him to do it. Right? He was just he was just sending him to heaven, Sarah. Okay. We hope so. What if he didn't? Oh, no. What if he condemned them to purgatory? Ooh, because they I hope been, they haunted him. They were him. baptized. They had to have been baptized. I hope they haunted him. They Anyways, bet. I hope I they haunted first. his dreams. I hope they haunted everything about his thoughts. Who's going first? Hope... Does that mean you're going first this time? Or you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay, go for I it. What first. are you talking about? All right. I got a ghost story. Yay! <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it's been a while, yeah. It has. So I was like, I got to bring back some ghost stories. So now for material to get a ghost story, I just go through the ghost adventures catalog and see where they went. And if that's anything worth talking about. And this one is. There you go. Um, So today. Yeah, right. They're doing my legwork for me. Thanks, Zach Bagans. Um, Today I'm talking about the Odd Fellows Orphanage. Yeah, B A G A N S. I was Baggins, but I don't ever read it like Bilbo Baggins. Like Bilbo Baggins, Zach Baggins. He, I think he pronounces it Zach maybe, Baggins. I don't. Maybe know. Maybe he just has care. an accent. Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. <laughs> right, demon. Go for it. I'm so sorry for interrupting. What are you talking about? 
This is the Odd Fellows Orphanage or Asylum, depending upon who you talk to, in Liberty, Missouri. Okay. Um, so this, I didn't know. The Odd Fellows is like a secret society, like the Masons. Oh, I love it. Um, and the Shriners, but I'd never heard of the Odd Fellows. Um, the other thing I like is their acronym is like International Order of the Odd Fellows. So it's basically just oof is their acronym. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oof. Oof. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> oof. The, so the history of the Oddfellows is, yeah, they're a secret society like the Masons, a charitable fraternity that was first documented in 1730 in London. However, we're, the first documented chapter was like the ninth chapter. So we're pretty sure they before started that, yeah. a while before then. Their purpose was to visit the sick, relieve the distressed, bury the dead, and educate the orphan. Okay. Uh, one notable thing about this was initiation into the fellowship consisted of a pledge coming face to face with a skeleton in a candle lit room in order to face their own mortality. <laughs> I kind of love that. Do they know that or are they put through like a hazing thing and then they're like, now go sit in this room and then they sit down and realize there's a skeleton. I think it's known. I think it's like you need to go and face your mortality. But and how of long course it's do you real have to sit across from the skeleton? I don't know. It's all like secret. Sure, it's like sure, the Masons. Sure, sure. okay. Like yeah, yeah, they're weird secret right, you're shit. You're right. And the reason we found out about it is they used real, uh, they used real skeletons and would keep the skeletons like in the homes in the chapters where they were at. And so when these chapters started to dismantle over time. And these buildings were then bought out by other people and they started excavating. Then they would like open a closet and find oh a skeleton and be like, what the fuck is this? So you had a lot of that happening at this particular location. They do have the Oddfellows skeleton that was used for this chapter. It's a real skeleton. It's from an Oddfellows member who donated his body when he died to be used as that. Yeah. As that person. And so his skeleton is still on display in the asylum. And uh, his name is George. So the Oddfellows Asylum in Missouri consists of multiple buildings. If you mentioned they said their goal was to visit the sick, relieve the distress, bury the dead, and educate the orphan. So they had a hospital and a morgue on the grounds. They had a nursing home. Then they had an orphanage and a school. And then an admin building. Okay. So they had in-house everything. They had in-house all of it. You name it. <laughs> Teacher, doctor, abortionist, uh, m- musician, whatever you wanted, they got it. Whatever in- you grandma, wanted, in-house, such and such man, they've got they've got In-house em. grandma, in-house kid for rent, in-house whatever. But now the only building that is still in use and that is still... Um, that has been like renovated is the admin building and it was bought out by a family over 20 years ago and it's been remodeled and has been turned into the Belvoir winery and inn. Oh my God. And it's what? really pretty. Like they, if you look on their website, like they do weddings and parties and things like that in that area. Um, but then the other buildings are in various stages of disarray and like falling down, um, they're all abandoned. And are they haunted? 
Girl, all of it's haunted. Good. Oh, I forgot to mention, there's also a cemetery. Duh. What? How do you Because um, what are you going to do with all those people Bury who are dead? Lead, why don't you? There's uh, over 600 graves in the cemetery. Damn, but it's believed that It's believed that over, like, two, 3,000 people died while this place was, uh, like... In work. Well, you keep on. They had a nursing home and a hospital. Yeah, like Jesus their job Christ. was to take care of the sick, and then they're all buried there, and, and orphans, and a lot of dead orphans, oh my God. a lot of child death. So there you go. All right, so on that's our history onto the hauntings because this place is haunted as fuck. So in the admin building, the winery that's still open, the family that owns the property lives there with their children. And they've had experiences. Some of the things that are frequently seen are shadow figures, children. There's apparently an old lady who sings. I don't know. Um, Doors open and close. Children are heard singing and running up and down the hallways. And on occasion, they'll hear low growling, like a wolf or just something weird. People have been pushed, slapped. They've had their wrist grabs, wrists grabbed. Um, and one woman claims to have felt being hugged after ending a dousing rod session. So she said they were doing a dousing rod session. And when they said goodbye, she just felt like she was enveloped in this hug. Uh, the current owner had one experience that he talked about where he was in one room and his daughter was playing in an adjacent room. And he was like, hey, come in here. And he heard her start to go down the hall. Then he heard her stop and he heard her just say, mommy. And in response, clear as day, as though someone was standing there with her, he heard an older woman's voice say, oh, hello, little one. And so he stepped out to be like, oh, who's in the building? He was like, duh, fuck. No one's there. Ooh, <laughs> Sarah. I know. So people go, a whole bunch of paranormal teams have gone in and investigated. And when Ghost Adventures did their episode, they interviewed people who had, were, had investigated and had experiences. One guy that they interviewed who goes there all the time, his name is Nick. And he talked about one time he was in the old hospital and he was standing in the hospital and he was looking out the window to the nursing home that was adjacent to it. And in the window across from him, he saw a shadow figure. He said it was faceless, but it's like it was looking right at him. So almost like uh, there was a person standing there. So he went over and there was no one in that building at all. Um... There was one night that he was investigating this Nick guy and someone again saw a shadow in that nursing home area where he saw the other shadow. And while they were in there investigating, um, he said that his wrist was grabbed. There was a woman who was also investigating in the old folks home one day and she said they were in there. It was dark. They heard a rustling noise. So she turned her camera light on it, like expecting to see a bat and when she turned the light on and shined it around, she was slapped in the fucking face. What? <laughs> yes. What? She's like, I got slapped in the face. So that's and happened. And she didn't in... see anything? She no, she didn't see saw, anything. She started to lift her light and she got slapped in the face. And she got slapped in the face. The fuck yes. is that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's apparently a ghost that was like, I said no press. <laughs> Um, so that's in the old hospital and the nursing home, which are next to each other. At one point when they were doing like excavation or they were like walking around the grounds, 
the guy who owns the place was like, yeah, we keep finding all these artifacts in between the walls in the orphanage. We think that they like swept the floor when they went to clean and it just got like trapped in between the walls because they just like swept everything under the rug. And he was like, if you guys want, you can go in there and like take, we've got a few walls that need to come down. If you want to take them down and see if you find anything like here's some gloves and a mask, go for it. So they go into this room and they start taking stuff down and they start finding artifacts and finding like note cards. And they found like a Valentine, so-and-so like to Pauline and like all this really cool stuff. Um, so while they're investigating that night, Zach chooses to stay and do the orphanage. And while he's in the orphanage, he's doing an ovulus uh, session, which that's like a spirit box, except it's mm-hmm. got generated words already in it. And so the idea is that the ghost can reach in and pull out a generated word and it just like pops up on the screen and it says the word in just like a basic voice, like nightstand, like just a weird voice. So as he's doing this, doing this like session, he's talking and he's being really weird. He's like, hey, little kids. Um, but he's like, hey, is anyone here with me? He's asking questions. He's like, why are you here? And then he says, what was the name on the Valentine that I got? And all at once after he asked that question, he got the words funeral, out, and Paula, which the name on the card was Pauline. So that was super weird. Then later. Because there wasn't a Pauline for the ghost to pick from. It was like, well, Paula's Paula's close. close (laughs) Paula's what we call her informally. Um, So then he's later on doing an EVP session in a room in the orphanage and he's playing a recording of a little girl singing ring around the rosy because they say they hear kids humming and singing in places and so he's playing this recording and he's asking you know can you finish this nursery rhyme can you do this and he's feeling really weird he turns off the recording and then at that moment he says that he feels like something grabbed his hands And he's like, my hands are ice, ice cold. Like something just grabbed my hands. And that's all that happens there. In the nursing home, um, you've got Aaron and this other guy investigating. And while they're in there, they hear, and all of this is captured on the audio on the show. They hear footsteps up above them. And when they go to walk up the stairs where they heard the footsteps, they hear this weird, and they capture it. It's like a weird, like, Like a weird, like, snort or, like, growl or, like, guffaw um, and heavy breathing. And then they start doing an ovulus session. And if you remember, this is back in that building where that other investigator, Nick, said he saw the shadow man from across the way. And so they're talking, talking, and they're doing the ovulus. And they're like, is there anything you have to say or is there anything that you want? And the thing just says, Nick. And they're like, whoa, it's asking for this other investigator. And the guy, Nick, was like, the ghosts usually ask for me. They tend to, like, ask for my name. Get the fuck out. I'm not kidding. The ghosts are like, can we sit in Nick's section? And so they're, while they're talking real time after getting Nick on the ovulus, they're like, wow, they said, he said that the ghost would ask for them. And then it comes through the ovulus again. It just says, send Nick. And they're like, oh, so that part was really cool. And then in the, or, oh, this was the biggest thing. When they were back in the orphanage, um, Zach is using the ovulus again. And he's asking questions. And he says, he says, what's up, little kids? And, like, two seconds later, the 
the oh no it wasn't yeah it was it was the ovulus comes through and it says how you doing like asking him how he's doing he's like whoa that's so crazy he asked me how i was doing and then zach goes what's your name and right after he asks what's your name clear as day it comes through it says i murder <laughs> and then zach said he felt like his wrist out. was grabbed right after saying i murder and he's like whoa 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 and then after he's like, my wrist was just grabbed. Then the ovulus comes in in a female's voice and it just says, hi there. And then Zach goes, how many are, how many of you are here with me right now? And the ovulus just goes, several. And then that was the end of the communication. So then the last thing that happened is they went down. So Zach had that happen. Nothing else. He was like, all right, I'm going to go take a break. Like I'm going to go back to the command center. And while they're in the command center, they're watching the camera that's set in that room where Zach had been playing the ring around the rosy. Um, and then he was doing this ovulus session where they were like, I murder. How you yeah. doing in the hallway outside of that room? And while they're watching the video, all of a sudden through the audio coming through, you faintly hear no! a little girl's no, voice. Sarah, singing. No, Yep. Like, clear, little girl, little girl, just like... I don't like that. Yep. Yep. There's a ton of other experiences people have had. I was reading um, stuff that the owner has said in interviews, and he's like, honestly, when I know it's a ghost, I'm not as scared. The scariest situations are the ones where you think it's a person. You go to see who's there, and there's no one there. He's like, those are the moments that are the scariest is when it looks like there's someone there yeah. and there's not. No, I hate that. Um, I hate that. I fucking hate that. So that's the Oddfellows Asylum in Liberty, Missouri. It's haunted as fuck. And you can get married there if you want. That is terrifying because it's a winery, of course. It's a winery. Yeah. Just right. that building. So like, yeah, you can get married but All the here. other buildings on the grounds are, yeah, uninhabited. But they're beautiful buildings. Like the architecture is gorgeous. Everything. That's crazy. Bam. Yay. So there's our ghost. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Stephanie, what are you talking about this week? Well, Sarah, this week I'm talking about a man named Casper Hauser, who... Is he a friendly ghost? (laughs) Well, it's Casper with a K. It's K-A-S-P-A-R, because I keep trying to spell it P-E-R. Oh, like the mattress. It's Caspar. P-A-R, too. He's weird. And Hauser is H-A-U-S-E-R. Um, A-U, okay. Because he's German. Kaspar Hauser uh, is how you should imagine his name, because that's how I'm there imagining it. it. Oh, you you love when I go into accents, don't you? Kaspar He was a German youth. Cool. Uh, so, Kaspar Hauser, rough guesstimate, was born... Um, April 30th, 1812. He died December 17th of 1833. He was a German guy. That's very young. Wait, what? Yes. 1812 to 1833? Yes, he died at the age of 21. Okay. And that's assuming, right? Because they're not really positive that he, you know, when he was born. He claimed to have grown up in the total isolation of a darkened cell. What? For 21 years? Well, he, I think he was discovered around the time, well, like, when he, like, wandered out, um, people... And he was like, wait, there's a door here? Right. Uh, it's very, it, there's a lot to it. Okay, so we're gonna start about when he first showed up. 
Like I said, so they guessed that he was born around 1812. So his first, like, appearance that, like, he came out and people are talking about him now was in 1828. So he was, like, 16 when people were like, hey, you. So on May 26th, um... 1828, he was a, a teenage boy appeared on the streets of Nuremberg, Germany, and he carried a letter with him addressed to the captain of the 4th Squadron of the 6th Cavalry Regiment, Captain von Wissenig, and <laughs> it's heading read, von Baschengans da Oben und 1828. I don't know how to say 1828 in German. 20, I don't know. Um... <laughs> From the Bavarian, which means from the Bavarian border, uh, to uh, and the place is unnamed. Eighteen twenty-eight. That's what it means. The anonymous author said that the boy was given into his custody as an infant on October seventh of eighteen twelve, and that he instructed him in reading, writing, and the Christian religion, but never let him take a single step out of the house. What the The letter fuck? stated that the boy would now like to be a cavalryman as his father was. <laughs> and invited But he doesn't know who his father is. Right. Um and invited the captain to take him in or to hang him. Whatever he decided to oh, do. Them. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Cool, we'll cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Here he's in- He's like, I wanna be a cavalry man or I wanna or I'd die. die. So I'd there was another die. short letter enclosed purporting to be from his mother who was prior to his previous caretaker. And it stated that his name was Casper and that he was born on April 30th of 1812, that his father, a cavalryman of the 6th Regiment, was dead. In fact, this letter was found to have been written by the same hand as the second letter, whose line, he writes my handwriting exactly as I do, led later analysts to assume that Casper himself wrote both of them. He wrote his own letter left with his baby self that's what they're saying he had two letters with him right but the and one was supposedly from when he was a baby and one was from the person who just like let him out but they were in the same handwriting and they're thinking maybe he did it maybe he just wrote both of them huh, huh. a shoemaker uh, yeah right so a shoemaker named weckman took the boy uh, into the house of captain von wessening where he would repeat only the words, I want to be a cavalryman as my father was. And horse, horse. That's it. Okay. Those are the only things he would say. Further demands elicited only tears or obstinate proclamation of don't know. He was taken to a police station. Oh, you have a question? Well, I'm just like, okay, so he obviously, it said that he knows basic reading and writing and... He knows he wants to be in the Calvary, but he has no other vocabulary other than horse and don't know. Mm-hmm. So is it assumed that he's like mentally challenged or just disabled because he was raised in a room? So there's what people thought at the time and there's what historians like after the fact have, you know, thought from other evidence that came up. But for a long time, it was believed that he just, that 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 was it. Like, he just grew up somewhere, never had any other human interaction. Like, that's what happened. That's what his deal was, and that's why he was so, like, weird. So he was taken to a police station where he would write a name, Casper Hauser, 
And he showed that he was familiar with money. He could say some prayers and he could read a little, but he answered few questions and his vocabulary was incredibly limited. Because he provided no account of himself, he was imprisoned as a vagabond. So as just like a homeless, like do nothing. And he was like, my letter specifically says cavalry or die. So (laughs) cavalry or bust or bust my neck. (laughs) my my bones my spine bust my soul he spent the following two months in Lugenslan Tower in Nuremberg Castle in the care of a jailer named Andreas Hiddel despite what many later accounts would say he was in good physical condition and could walk well for example he climbed over 90 steps to his room he was of a healthy facial complexion and approximately 16 years old but appeared to be intellectually impaired Mayor Binder, however, claimed that the boy had an excellent memory and was learning very quickly. Various curious people visited him to his apparent delight, but he refused all food except bread and water. Ooh. That's all he would eat was bread and water. So then how is he that healthy? Don't know. Don't know. That's weird. Don't know. Don't know. (laughs) Horse. So at first it was assumed that he was raised half wild in forests, but during uh, many conversations with Mayor Binder, Hauser told a different version of his past life, which he later also wrote down in more detail. According to this story, for as long as he could remember, he spent his life totally alone in a darkened cell about two meters wide. Um, Two meters by one meter. And only one and a half high, with only a straw bed to sleep on. Um, two horses and a Not dog. Not even a Casper mattress. No, get out. Any mattress he's got on was a Casper <laughs> mattress. And two horses and a dog carved out of wood as toys. He claimed that he found rye bread and water next to his bed each morning. Periodically, the water would taste bitter and drinking it would cause him to sleep more heavily than usual. On such occasions, when he was awakened, his straw bed would have been changed and his hair and nails would have been cut. Hauser claimed that the first human being with whom he ever had contact was a mysterious man who visited him not long before his release, always taking great care not to reveal his face to him. This man, Hauser said, taught him to, to write his name by leading his hand. After learning to stand and walk, he was brought to Nuremberg. Furthermore, the stranger allegedly taught him to say the phrase, I want to be a cavalryman as my father was in old Bavarian dialect. So like even with like a certain accent. But Hauser claimed that he did not understand what these words meant. This tale aroused great curiosity and made Hauser an object of international attention. Rumors arose that he was of princely parentage, possibly of Baden Baden origin, but there were also claims that he was an imposter. Right, that he was just full of shit. Yeah. Paul Johannes Anselm Ritter von Furenbach was <laughs> the president of the Bavarian Court of Appeals. Uh, he began to investigate the case. Investigate the case. I waited because I was going to see if you were going to ask me to say it again because you do that sometimes just to see if I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I missed the opportunity. To say it again. Paul Johannes like, Anselm Ritter von Furenbach. There it is. One more time for the people in the back. Paul Johann Anselm Ritter von Feuerbach. He was the president of the Bavarian Court of Appeals, and he began to investigate the case. Hauser was formally adopted by the town of Nuremberg, and money was donated for his upkeep and education. Look, they say it takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> he was given into the care of Friedrich Dahmer, 
Uh, not to be confused with uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, it's D-A-U-M-E-R. There's no H. No A relation. schoolmaster and speculative philosopher who taught him various subjects and who thereby discovered his talent for drawing. He appeared to flourish in this environment. As Fjall Bach told the story, when Professor Dahmer held the North Pole of a magnet towards him, Casper put his hand to the pit of his stomach and drawing his waistcoat inward in an outward direction, that it drew him thus, and that a current of air seemed to proceed from him. The South Pole affected him less powerfully, and he said that it blew upon him. What? So the push and the pull of the magnets, like he said he could feel them. Right. Okay. On the 17th of October, 1829, so this is a year before he died, Hauser did not come to the midday meal, but was found in the cellar of Dahmer's house bleeding from a cut wound on the forehead. He asserted that while sitting on the privy, he was attacked and wounded by a hooded man who also threatened him with the words, you still have to die. You live now. You still have to die here. So sorry. You still have to die here, even though uh, it's like it doesn't make any sense. You still have to die here. You leave the city of Nuremberg. We're going to say it with a Cockney accent because that's how it's spelled. You still have to die here. You leave the city of Nuremberg. That's the quote. Hauser said that by the voice, he recognized the man as the one who had brought him to Nuremberg. As was obvious from his blood trail, Hauser had first fled to the first floor where his room was, but then, instead of moving on to his caretakers, he returned downstairs and climbed through a trapdoor into the cellar. Alarmed officials called for a police escort and transferred him to the care of Johann Bieberbach, one of the municipal authorities. The alleged attack on Hauser also fueled rumors about his possible descent from Hungary um, or England or the House of Baden. Um, Hauser's critics are of the opinion that he inflicted the wound on himself with a razor, which he then took back to his room before going to the huh. cellar, that that's what the blood trail was about. He might have done so to arouse pity and thus escape chiding for a recent quarrel with Dahmer, who had come to believe that the boy had a tendency to lie. Ooh. So what did he die from? Sorry, he died in... Sorry, he died not the next year. He died in 33, so this was four years before his death, because there's another incident. Um, On the 3rd of April, 1830, a pistol shot went off in Hauser's room in uh, Bieberbach's house. His escort hurriedly entered the room and found him bleeding from a wound to the right side of his head. Hauser quickly revived and stated that he had climbed on a chair to get some books, that the chair fell while he was trying to hold on to something. He accidentally tore down the pistol hanging on the wall, causing the shot to go off. There are doubts whether the benign wound was actually caused by the shot, and some authors associate the incident with a preceding quarrel in which, again, Hauser was reproached for lying. Whatever the case, the occurrence led the municipal authorities to come to another decision on Hauser, whose initially good relationship with the Bieberbach family had soured. And in May of 1830, he was transferred to the house of Baron von Tucha, who later complained about Hauser's exorbitant vanity and lies. Perhaps the sharpest judgment passed on Hauser was the one by Mrs. Bieberbach, who commented on his, quote, horrendous mendacity and art of dissimulation and called him full of vanity and spite. So that boy full of shit. I hope somebody describes me like that one day. Full Full of of vanity vanity and and spite. spite. That'll be the subtitle of your Netflix documentary. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
I love it. Now she did. A British nobleman, Lord Stanhope, took an interest in Hauser and gained custody of him in late 1831. He spent a great deal of money attempting to clarify Hauser's origin. In particular, he paid two visits to Hungary, hoping to jog the boy's memory. As Hauser seemed to remember some Hungarian words and had once declared the Hungarian Countess Matheny was his mother, Hauser failed to recognize any buildings or any monuments in Hungary. <laughs> a Hungarian nobleman who had met Hauser told Stanhope that he and his son had a good laugh when they recollected the strange boy and his, his histrionic behavior. Which is, you know, his, like, lying all the time. Yeah. Stanhope later wrote that the complete failure of these inquiries led him to doubt Hauser's credibility. In December of 1831, he transferred Hauser to Ansbach to the care of the schoolmaster named Johann George Mayer. And in January 1832, Stanhope left Hauser for good. Stanhope continued to pay for Hauser's living expenses, but never made good on his promise that he would take him to England. After Hauser's death, Stanhope published a book in which he presented all known evidence against Hauser, taking it as his duty openly to confess that I have been deceived. Ooh. Followers of Hauser's, uh, Hauser suspect Stanhope of ulterior motives and connections to the House of Baden, but academic historiography defends him as a philanthropist, a pious man, and a seeker of the truth. So now we're getting into the, the end of his life. So Schoolmaster Meyer, a strict and pedantic man, disliked Hauser's many excuses and apparent lies, and their relationship was rather strained. In late 1832, Hauser was employed as a copyist in the local law office. Still hoping that Stanhope would take him to England, he was very dissatisfied with his situation, which deteriorated further when his patron, Anselm von Feuerbach, died in May 1833. This certainly was a grievous loss to him. Some authors, however, point out that Feuerbach, by the end of his life, had lost faith in Hauser, writing a note to be found in his legacy, which read, Caspar Hauser is a smart and screaming codger, a rogue, a good-for-nothing that ought to be killed. Ooh, right? shit. But Damn. there is no indication that, uh, Feuerbach, that Feuerbach, already seriously ill, let Hauser feel this change of his opinion. So it's doubtful that he, like, treated him any differently. Yeah, just deep down inside, he was like, I fucking hate you. He's like, I fucking God. hate you. On the 9th of December, 1833, Hauser had a serious argument with Meyer. Lord Stanhope was expected to visit Ansbach at Christmas, and Meyer said that he did not know um, if he would be able to see him. Like, he didn't know if he'd even be able to look at him. Yeah. Five days later, on the 14th of December, 1833, Hauser came home with a deep wound in his left breast. He said that he was lured to Ansbach Court Garden and that a stranger stabbed him there while giving him a bag. When the policeman airline, uh, and that's not airline like a, you know, like a plane, Air, airline, it's H-E-R-R-L-E-I-N, airline searched the court garden. He found a small violet purse containing a penciled note um, in Spiegelschrift, which is mirror writing. Um, and I think it's just like you know it's just written backwards the message read in german hauser will be able to tell you quite precisely how i look from where i am to save hauser the effort i want to tell you myself from where i come i come from the varian border on the river i will even tell you my name m l o hauser died of his wound on the 17th of december 1833 <laughs> that's the note 
And we don't know who the author of the note was. Incon- Probably Hauser. Right? Inconsistencies in Hauser's account led the Ansbach court to inquiry uh, the, to the suspect, right? That he stabbed himself and then invented a tale about being attacked. Because that would be classic Casper. The note in the classic right? Casper. The note in the purse that was found in the court garden contained one spelling error and one grammatical error, both of which were typical for Hauser, who on his deathbed kept muttering incoherencies about writing with pencil. Although he was very eager that the purse be found, he did not ask for its contents. The note itself was folded into a specific triangular form, just the way Hauser used to fold his letters, according to Mrs. Meyer. Forensic doctors agreed that the wound could indeed be self-inflicted. Many authors believe he wounded himself in a bid to revive public interest in his story and convince Stanhope to fulfill his promise to take him to England. But he stabbed himself more deeply than intended. (laughs) So he fell on his own sword. He did. I mean, yeah, like he pushed it. Literally. Hauser was buried in the Stadtfriedhof City Cemetery in Ansbach, where his headstone reads in Latin, Here lies Caspar Hauser, riddle of his time. His birth was unknown, his death mysterious. 1833. Damn. However, a monument was built to him later in the court garden, which reads, Hic occultus occulto accosius est, meaning, Here lies a mysterious one. Who was killed in a mysterious manner. Oh, I thought it would have been like, here lies a big fat fucking liar. (laughs) So one of the big theories, right, um, of course, is that he's a big fat liar. Hauser's various accounts of the story of his incarceration include several contradictions. Psychiatrist Carl Leonard concluded if he had been living since childhood under the conditions he describes, he would not have developed beyond the condition of an idiot. Indeed, he would have remi- remain he would not have remained alive as long. His tale is so full of absurdities it is astonishing that it was ever believed and even today still believed by many people. Dr. Heidenreich, one of the physicians present at the autopsy, claimed that the brain of Kasper Hauser was notable for a small cortical size and few non-distinct cortical gyri, indicating uh, to some that he suffered from a cortical atrophy, or as G. Hesse argued, from epilepsy. Heinrock may have been influenced mm-hmm. by his phrenological ideas when examining Howard's brain. So at that time, they were still doing phrenology. That's where they're like, well, this part of your brain is like does this and if you're yeah. bigger here then you're this. you think about this a lot um and they were still into that that has been debunked but dr albert who conducted the autopsy and wrote yeah. the official report did not find any anomalies in hauser's brain carl leonard rejected the views of both heidenreich and hess he came to the following conclusion casper hauser was as other authors already append a pathological swindler in addition to his hysterical makeup, he probably had the persistence of a paranoid personality since he was able to play his role so impetrably. From many reports on his behavior, uh, one can recognize uh, the hysterical as well as the paranoid trend in his personality. In 18, or sorry, 1928, medical study supported the view that Hauser accidentally stabbed himself too deeply, while a 2005 forensic analysis argued that it seems unlikely that the stab to the chest was inflicted exclusively for the purpose of self-damage, but both a suicidal and a homicidal act cannot be definitely ruled out. Huh. So now they're like, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe. 
Um, one of the other theories about him, but I can't remember why whether or not this has actually been proven. I think with forensics, they were like, nah. Um, we'll go to that in a minute. But one of the theories is that he was actually like a prince um, and that mm-hmm. he was like hidden away so that he wouldn't be killed because like there was somebody who wanted the throne that would have killed him to get it. He was, and that part of it was part of the inspiration for The Man in the Iron Mask. Are you familiar with that movie? Vaguely. So The Man in the Iron Mask, it's a culmination of a bunch of different, like, rumors from around that time, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. But The Man in the Iron Mask is the Leonardo DiCaprio movie where um, one of the Prince Louis, let's say the 16th, because there's, you know, there were more than 16 of them, but one of the (laughs) King Louis... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was a real dickhead. Um, and then the the, the Musketeers, because it's also a Three Musketeers movie at the same time. The Musketeers knew that there was this rumor about him having a twin who was, like, put away at birth because he was supposed to be killed because he was a twin. But actually, like, they've been keeping him alive, like, in this dungeon, and he's never come out in the light of day. And he has this iron mask on. And the they open up the iron mask, and the man in the iron mask is also Leonardo DiCaprio because he's, he's King Philip's Because he's a twin. Right? And then they end up getting rid of King Philip and teaching the man in the iron mask how to be king. <laughs> but so no matter what Leonardo DiCaprio wins right now there is also a true story about a dude who lived in the castle who had an iron mask who nobody who like nobody knew who he was <laughs> that's true but the inspiration for the movie the man in the iron mask is a combination of all these like different stories um and Hauser's story was part of that because when he comes out, when the man in the Iron Mask, Leonardo DiCaprio, comes out, like he doesn't know who he is, and he's like, "I grew up in a dungeon, and I only know the Lord." I don't remember. I saw this movie when I was like ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, I need right? direct quotes. But, so, um, so Casper Hauser is thought to be like an ins- one of the many inspirations for the movie The Man in the Iron Mask um, because it's thought that he might have been royalty. So according to contemporary rumors, probably current as early as 1829, Caspar Hauser was the hereditary prince of Baden who was born the 29th of September 1812 and who, according to known history, died 16th of October. So died just a, uh, like a month later, not even a few weeks. But it was alleged that this prince was switched with a dying baby subsequently surfaced 16 years later so that he's the real prince and that someone switched him with a dying baby and that baby died and they're like oh the prince died but really the prince was whisked away somewhere and stolen and grew up somewhere else right that's one of the the many like theories right and in this case his parents would have been charles the grand duke of baden and stephanie de Beauharnas. Uh, who was a cousin by marriage and adopted daughter of Napoleon. So because of Charles had no surviving male progeny, his successor was his uncle Louis, who was later succeeded by his half-brother Leopold. Leopold's mother, the Countess of Hochberg, was the alleged culprit of the boy's captivity. So the Countess was supposed to have disguised herself as a ghost, the white lady, when she kidnapped the prince, and her motive evidently would have been to secure the succession uh, for her sons, right? Like, to make her kids take over the throne. After Hauser's death, it was claimed further that he was murdered again because of his being a prince. Kind of like Gendry. Gendry? 
Is that right? <laughs> is that the right Game of Thrones character? Hold on. Which I character? might not be thinking of the right one. The one who was really Robert Baratheon's son, but he was like a bastard living off like yes. on a farm. Is that Gendry? Yes. Okay, I am making the right Game of Thrones reference. You did make the right. Sorry, I was plugging in my because now my computer's dying. Everything's oh, dying over I'm here. I'm almost done. I promise. No, you're good. I'm just like all of it's like I'm like okay, you got 15. percent That should last, and then it's like JK 4. percent Just kidding, bitch. Oh my god. Yes, Gendry is the actual bastard child of Robert Baratheon. Right, that they didn't want anybody to know about because they knew somebody would try and kill him. Yes. Right. Right, so it was like that. That's what they're saying. And that he did get killed, that somebody found out about him, and that's why he got killed. He didn't kill himself, but that somebody stabbed him because they, like, they had been hunting for him because they knew he was, yeah. like, actually. But it sounds like he also was a little bit of a bastard. Right. Like, not <laughs> like, in the not actual like sense. Not like a literal bastard, but, like, just like a shithead. But he's a fucking shithead. He is full of vanity and spite. So, um, there are... The technology of DNA is ever-changing, right? Um, So they did do a DNA test in 1996. And according to that DNA test, um, which I'm trying to think of who they compared him to, uh, in 1996, the German magazine Der Spiegel reported an attempt to match uh, genetically a blood sample um, from clothing that would have been Hauser's. This analysis was made in laboratories of forensic science service in Birmingham and the LMU Institute of Legal Medicine at the University of Munich. Comparisons with descendants of the princely family proved that the blood examined could not be from uh, a hereditary prince of Baden. However, in 2002, the Institute for Forensic Medicine at the University of Munster analyzed hair and body cells from locks of hair and items of clothing that also belong to Casper Hauser. The analysts took from the items used in the test six different DNA samples, all of which turned out to be identical, but they differed substantially from the blood sample examined in 1996. The the authenticity of of which uh, was therefore questioned, right? So then they were like, maybe they didn't have the right DNA in 1996. The new DNA samples were compared to a DNA segment from Astrid von Mettinger, a descendant in the female line of Stephanie Bumharanas. That's who would have been his mother, okay? If he were this secret prince. The sequences were not identical, but the deviation observed is not large enough to exclude a relationship as the difference could be caused by a mutation. So it wasn't different enough to say there's absolutely no way that they were related. It was different enough that they were like, well, it's not identical, but this could just be a genetic mutation. It's one genetic mutation away from being like the same. Um, the mitochondrial DNA, which was examined, is passed only through the female line and thus cannot change except through um, mutation. On the other hand, the relatively high similarity by no means proves the alleged relationship as the Hauser samples uh, showed a pattern that is common among the German population. The only reason it hasn't been officially confirmed, like they can't make it 100% yes or no, is because the House of Baden does not allow any medical examination of the remains of Stephanie Buonharas or of the child that was buried as her son in the female vault or in the family vault. So the child that, like, 
Hauser would have been replaced by if they were switched at birth. Like, they can't test that baby's DNA, and they can't test the mom's DNA. So they can test, like, the family, and they can't prove that he is or isn't related to them. But if they could actually test that DNA, like, they could see if that's his mother. Right. But um, the people who handle that today will not let anyone test it. So maybe we still don't know. We still don't know. He was a weird dude. But it's he's a weird dude. Um, and there have been... He's been mentioned in a lot of, like, books and uh, movies and stuff. I heard about him because I was looking into The Man in the Iron Mask. <laughs> um, and I used to have a fascination with feral children. I don't know if you know about feral children. I have a whole... I've got... A, it's one of my topic bullet points. Oh, yeah. Feral, feral children. children. Right. So I was like, this is a weird mix of, like, he's not quite a feral child... Yeah, because, like, he learned how to read and write, which isn't really what feral child, feral children are just, like, left yeah. in a room, period. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so, a little mix. Yeah. Who knows? It's weird. It's all weird. Classic Casper. But that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, you are. I am. Unlike Casper, who couldn't stick to a story at all. That was his whole apparently. thing. He couldn't stick to it, man. No stick to That's a whole thing. Stick to it. My God, I feel like it's so late, but it's it's not. It's not. It's not even five. <laughs> I just have a. I just have the curtain closed, so I think it's dark. <laughs> so anyway, guys, this has been our 99th episode. That means next week's episode is one hundred. A hundred. That's what's coming next. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So it's going to be a video episode. We may or may not have a special guest. I'm going to have a special surprise for Sarah. Uh, I can't wait. Uh, and it's great. Because <laughs> I will say this. Remember a, a while, this is probably like, I think back in like January, that I was talking about, I thought of this really cool gift, but that yes. I couldn't just get it just because. Yes. Like, I, it has to be really special. Yes. It needs to well, be and then I decided occasion. that 100th episode was special, so that is the occasion, it and is. I can't wait to share it with you, and it's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited. Yay, and we have so many surprises for our listeners. It's just going to be I great can't wait. all So around. thank you so much for listening, guys. Make sure you tune in next week. If you want to and are able to support our podcast, the best way you can do that is by subscribing to our Patreon. We have $1, $5, and $15 tiers. Super accessible. That $1 tier gets you into our Facebook group. And girl, it is popping with the memes and all of your favorite Dead Time Stories people. Me, Sarah, Mary Angela. Christina, Colleen, everybody's there. It's such a good time. <laughs> and then, Lizard of course, Shelby. if you can't do Patreon, the best way you can help us aside from that is by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, leaving us a review. If you leave a review and you take a screenshot and you email it to us or slide it in our DMs on Instagram, we will send you a motherfucking sticker. Our, yeah, I fucking will. Yeah, we fucking will. Our email address, of course, is deadtimestories with a Z all one word at gmail.com and dead time stories all one word that's us on instagram you can find us on facebook we are all over the map and tell your friends it's so exciting we're gonna be episode 100 next week 100 ah but this is 99 that's still exciting i know 99 is exciting it's a big deal all right everybody i'm stephanie i'm sarah and this this has been been dead Dead time Time stories thank you for listening 
Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 